I want to paint my nails, but then once you paint your nails once, you're locked into an eternal cycle of nail painting where you can never stop painting them. Well, do you have nail polish remover? Didn't I give you a bottle or two? Yeah, I have nail polish remover, but then it's just like I always have this chore, a new chore every week where I have to paint my nails. Well, the solution that I've seen on grunge trans... Uh, just have chip nail polish? Yeah, totally cool. <laughs> totally I'm fits. not grunge trans anymore. And you know it. I know, I know. I'm a classy bitch. Yeah, that's true. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a sin. I'm a saint. I'm Hava, and I want to perform the song that makes me feel like a diva. Hello, my name is Hava, and I'll be performing a song from the musical I'm a Bitch by whatever the person who sang that song is. Thank you for your time. This is my audition for American Idol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Okay, Michael, let's begin. Oh my God, here it is. I <gasps> know. The magic is happening. The magic, my favorite time of the week. <laughs> okay. Hello, Michael. <laughs> Hi, Hava. Hi. 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 How are you? You want to ask me? Really? Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to say it in a really condescending voice. Like, how are you? Well, I got my dangles. Yes, you have very cute new dangly earrings, which both I and the listeners support, I'm sure. Listeners, become a patron to get a photo of Michael's dangly earrings. <laughs> Actually, we could do that. We could send them a photo. Of, we could do, we can do anything we want. The world is our oyster. Everything is permissible. Nothing is forbidden. Anyway, how are you? Uh, how am I? I am I am good. I had, uh, you know, I saw some family this weekend. Mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to play with a very cute dog this weekend. Oh, that's cute. That's all any of us can ever hope for, frankly. Uh, what, what, what do I have to say? You know, I've just, uh, like, like everyone else, I've been lonely with occasional bursts of mundane joy that punctuate my week. That's the same description, pandemic or no pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, that's life. Enough about me. I don't have anything to say. Hava, how are you? How am I? Well, my competitive Pokemon team is coming along great, so... That's a barometer of where my life is at. I'm doing well. I've recently gotten really into grocery delivery. We can get free delivery with food stamps from Aldi. Aldi, give us money. Sponsor our podcast. That's been awesome because I haven't had to go grocery shopping recently. I've just had my groceries delivered, which has been dope as hell. Just been preparing for the classes that I'm teaching in the next few months. So simultaneously bored and completely overwhelmed, as is my, my sweet spot transcending the binary between boredom and overwhelm. I'm preparing for one of your classes, too, as one of your students. That's right. You are preparing for one of my classes, and I will be grading you more harshly than everyone else, so it doesn't seem like I'm showing favoritism. So all if right, you want to get right. an A in my class, you better know that you're going to have to work for it. I'm going to work for it. Huh? <laughs> you know, this is my commitment to you and the patrons, you know? Right. It's before God and everyone. So follow me on my my bumbling journey through holy uh, words and letters. <laughs> A very wise Twitter mutual of mine once gave me this awesome quote, which is that no one ever comes to words of Torah except by stumbling upon them. So keep that in mind. That is definitely relatable. Yeah. Someone much wiser and older than my Twitter follower 
And I mm-hmm. said that thing, but I don't remember who it was. Is there like a metaphor in Jewish literature about like stumbling or like searching in some unknown place, like you're in lost in the desert or something like that? I think we get lost in the desert at some point. I feel like my desert historically has been okay, Cupid. It's uh-huh. just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just here on OK Cupid looking for God in all the wrong places. Yeah, exactly. That all of a sudden, like, oh, burning bush, aka Hava's profile comes up. And then here we are. Join OK Cupid. You too could meet your future podcast co-host. Should we introduce our special guest? Yes, listeners, today we are honored to have a special guest with us, Azaria Liron. Azaria is a transgender, neurogender, polyamorous, kinky, demisexual who is also autistic and has ADHD and CPTSD. They've been working as a queer workshop facilitator since 2011, although currently they pay the bills by pretending to be a mild-mannered government employee. Their dream is to start a homestead within Kansas City that can also house a Sfara-style bait midrash. Azaria, hi, how are you? How are you? I am doing amazing because I'm here, and (laughs) I am continually amazed by the refreshing ability of Talmud and Torah to be like, oh, yes, you are awake, and you are alive, and the world is good, despite the fact that I've been in a depressive pandemic anxiety funk for the past couple of weeks. Every time I show up for this, it's like, now you're back to being the human you're supposed to be instead of the ball of nerves and fear that you, you know, are the rest of the year. I relate to that so hard, both on the podcast and when I'm teaching. Every time before I'm teaching, it's like this incredible crucible of anxiety. And then the moment I start teaching, I'm like, oh, this is so fun. But that's just got to be a thing about workshop facilitation of like, you just have to have all of the anxiety to get prepared. And then all of a sudden, the conversation is here. The knowledge is here. And we just have to listen to each other. (laughs) Right. It comes out an explosive burst of charisma. I am very excited to be swimming in the Talmudic knowledge of two sages <laughs> as I begin my journey as a tiny little... Uh, a sagelet. A sagelet. Sagette. Yes. Oh, shoot. When did I get promoted? Like, I'm only <laughs> into this myself. Like. Welcome to the upper ranks of the Chachamim. <laughs> Azaria... I understand that you have a piece of Talmud to share with us today. Would you be willing to tell us in the world a little bit about that, Zygia? Yeah, so I've been attempting Dafyomi, and some days it's, you know, skimming and like, there might be meaning here, but I'm not processing at all. But sometimes there's a little piece that jumps out and I'm like, I need to go back to this. And so in Eruvine 99A, there's this little bit of a story about Raish Lakish, who has this very strong condemnation about coughing up phlegm in front of one's teacher. <laughs> Dafyomi has shown me that rabbis talk about bodily fluids all the time, but this one's like, I need to poke a little bit harder at this one. And just to contextualize for everyone, the stuff that's happening around what we're going to talk about today is really funny as well. The rabbis are talking about whether the spit that we're carrying in our mouths counts as carrying something on Shabbat, which is incredible all on its own. And then they end up talking about whether the piss we have inside us counts as carrying something, which they just leave unresolved. They haven't, rabbis have not decided whether piss is carrying or not. And then we come to this little aside that Azaria brought to talk about. Do you want to read the Hebrew for us? I can make an attempt. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give this a shot. Amar Reish Lakish. Kiyoch Pivne Rabu Chayav. Mita Shenemar Kol Misne Ahavu Mavet Al Tikre 
limsane ela limasnia veha menas anis kiach varech kaamrinan. Thank you so much for reading for us, Azaria. I was contemplating my own reasons for why do I like to read Hebrew on the podcast. It reminds me of being in the Bet Midrash, you know, where it's like, if it's going well, and as far as dial Bet Midrash, we all get an opportunity to read for each other, which is part of the process of making our own learning transparent to the community. Well, and what I really love about hearing it is that it creates this expectation of competence that lets you grow into it. Like when I started, I couldn't understand any of it. It would be like, okay, there are syllables, but now I'll recognize one word in one root that I've heard a dozen times now. And it's like, I know that I'm going to see these words later. And so I'm going to grow into what I'm hearing and what I'm doing. Part of a problem I think that comes up in the world of queer Judaism and of progressive Judaism in general is there's a sort of assumption that none of us want anything that's hard. So we should just make everything as easy as possible. And I think if anything, the last 20 years of Judaism has proved that that does not work very well. And it's actually better to set a high bar and give us something to work for. Which actually ties really interesting into this text. Uh, so, you know, Rachel Lakish is giving us this high bar of if you're coughing up phlegm in front of your teacher, then you're bound for death. Like you're, you're being so disrespectful. Here we are in our discussion of phlegm. And as an aside, the Talmud tells us Rachel Lakish said one who spits up phlegm in front of his teacher is considered obligated for punishment of death. Just as it says in a verse, Proverbs 8.36. All the ones who hate me love death. And so the Gemara, the Talmud is telling us not to read it as hate, but rather to read it as those who make themselves hateful. The Gemara goes on to say, but doesn't this person, this theoretical person we're talking about, spit the phlegm involuntarily? Because nobody spits up phlegm in front of their teacher voluntarily. The Gemara says we're talking about someone who had phlegm in their mouth and could have spat it outside but didn't. That's what's on the table today. Michael, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious to hear your first reactions. All right. So you get put to death. (laughs) Uh, Obligated to be put to death. Obligated to be put to death. If you spit up phlegm in front of your teacher, Mm -hmm. because Proverbs says you love death. If you're hateful. Right. Immediately. What comes to my mind is it seems like Proverbs is saying like, We're actually doing you a favor. Yeah, that's what it seems like. So we're actually like fulfilling a fetish thing for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is the first historical example of a BDSM dungeon. I think Tefillin existed before this, but... I'm very anti-BDSM dungeon. as the... <laughs> Right, as as longtime listeners of the show will know. And so I think really what we should be doing is saying, no, 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 you should live a really long and healthy life, and we will encourage you to do so, so that you can brood upon the fact that you spat at your teacher. <laughs> right, your punishment is existence. You're acting bratty, so we're going to give you the exact opposite of the spanking you desire. Right, we know that by spitting, you're flagging your death punishment fetish, so we are going to deny that. Wow, this has been a much kinkier episode already than I suspected it would be. Azaria, I'm curious to hear your take on this, Sugya, and why you wanted to bring it to the show. So I wanted to bring it to the show because as someone who's autistic, I often get assumed that I'm being disrespectful for things that are just me being myself. 
So if I'm not masking, I don't make eye contact. I'm going to be fidgeting. I'm going to be moving around. I may even be making, you know, quiet sounds to myself. And people interpret that as you're not paying attention, you're not being respectful, obviously you don't care about what's going on. Racial Keish is making the same assumption of somebody that's spitting, which when I think about all of my friends of various different body types, like some of us have an ability to keep our fluids on the inside and some of us don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we have the text where they're talking about, you know, making this assumption of disrespect from what may be an uncontrollable action. And I love that they're like, okay, but we're not going to apply this if it's forced, if it's something that can't be controlled. It feels like this, there's this opening for accessibility, but then it becomes to the community's responsibility of how do we make sure that we're giving that good intent read, of that we're making the assumption that they couldn't take it outside versus the default assumption of like, well, they're trying to be disrespectful because everybody knows this is disrespectful. Something that, that occurs to me here, I guess, I'm wondering is who is the arbiter of whether a person was able to keep their phlegm in or not in this situation? You know, are we trusting our own attestation of our ability or is there some kind of communal discernment process there? I mean, in my ideal world, we would believe people when they say what they're capable of, but we don't live in an ideal world. So I would totally buy that the community would make judgments that are not fair. My instinct is to think that we do trust self-attestation because on Masechet Yoma 83a, there's this great sukkah that talks about the halachas of feeding a sick person on Yom Kippur. And the whole Talmudic discussion is about who is the decisor of whether a person is sick enough to be fed on Yom Kippur. Is it the doctor or is it the person? And do we feed him against the doctor's advice, withhold against the doctor's advice? How do we do all that? And to spoil it for everyone, the big fabulous conclusion is that there is no expert other than the sick person. So I'm betting that also in the case of Flim, which is a much smaller issue than eating on Yom Kippur, we probably trust self-attestation as well. I mean, I, I agree. And I, I, I love that <laughs> as well, because it has the potential to be a really liberatory read for the disability community. It does have a slight flaw at one point where if the person who is ill doesn't want to eat and the doctors feel they should eat, they can override for the sake of that person's health. You're telling me the Talmud has flaws? How can I believe it? On this podcast, never. I mean, that's the joy of it is that, you know, we have these discussions and the question Mm -hmm. of at what point are we protecting someone and at what point are we inflicting trauma upon them based on our Mm -hmm. judgments of what is healthy for them is something that we need to keep asking. Yeah, totally. As we have, you know, abolished prisons and also the psychiatric industrial complex. Right. Brain prisons. Mm-hmm. Michael, say what you're going to say. You warned us you had something to say. I had a little something to share with you all. Speak your truth. Why is talking about Talmudic law and edge cases and why is it so interesting despite its unresolvability? I think like there's joy in realizing just how humble you should be. And I think there's something about the more educated you become, the more nuanced your own understanding of your own foolishness is. And that is beautiful and liberating. Fear of the unknown is like one of the deepest human fears. And so the more edge cases you play with, the more you're like, well, I could handle this edge case and that edge case and that edge case. 
So mm-hmm. when you're hit with something that nobody could possibly imagine, you know, like a pandemic that shuts everything down for a year and kills hundreds of thousands of people because, you know, our government decided to be completely irresponsible. You're like, but I know how this was handled and I know how that was handled. And so I can bring these threads together to make something work here. I'm not completely lost because I have all of these edge cases to draw on. Something I'm thinking about to rotate a little bit is the fact that they had to legislate this consequence for spitting in front of one's teacher tells me that everyone was spitting in front of their teacher. (laughs) That everyone in Talmudic times was just spitting all over the place. So much so that Rach Lakish, a notoriously sort of like gay bro of the Talmud, sort of had to be like, stop spitting. (laughs) I'm now just picturing the bait midrash with all of those spitting cans for those that chew tobacco. We need saloon style bait midrash. (laughs) Saloon Shalom. I mean, I do sort of imagine that they were trying to fix this thing that they thought was really gross, but they also didn't want to totally foreclose the possibility of some unforeseen circumstance, which is something I appreciate in Talmud is like, frequently, I think they're legislating for unforeseen possibilities in the future, because they... I think, expect this tradition or hope for this tradition to continue forever. And so they have a sense of their own ignorance. And they're like, well, you know, I want to say no spitting in front of your teacher ever. But I'm going to put this other little thing in there because I know that there are infinite possibilities in the future that I can't even imagine. Mm. And I really admire that of like, here is a structure that is flexible enough that you can adapt it as it needs to grow, but also sturdy enough that you can rely on it in the hard times and the confusing times. Absolutely. Wow. Should we wrap it? Let's wrap yeah, it. Yeah, we should wrap it. I want to ask Azaria, do you have any other things you want us to plug? If you want to lift up Casey Tenants Union and the work we're doing in zero eviction January to stop evictions, and we're going to start calling to cancel rent because we really need to solve this housing crisis. Hell yeah. Where can our listeners go to learn more and support the Casey Tenants Union? That would be caseytenants.org. Okay, listeners, go to caseytenants.org. I believe there are ways you can support even outside of Kansas City, right? Oh, yes, we have online daily actions. And we have a mutual aid fund so that our leaders can, you know, not worry about feeding their kids while they're out protesting and shutting down the courthouses. Everyone go give KC Tenants Union a lot of love. So listeners, thank you so much for listening to us today. Azaria, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Our pleasure. Please send us your questions. You can either call or text us on the Talmud hotline at 401-484-1619 or anonymously leave us a question at com. Please, please, double, triple, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cordova. We're going to be making double patron episodes starting in February, so you won't want to miss any of that content. You can find me on Twitter at you and Michael on Twitter at Miss underscore Figured. And you can find Azaria on Twitter at OnServantsWings. And you can find them online at OnServantsWings.com. Follow us all. Retweet this episode. Support Casey Tenants Union. Spit phlegm appropriately for your own level of ability. Mm-hmm. Yep. Contemplate the mystery of unresolved Talmudic piss containers. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Shavuotov. Shavuotov. Shavuotov.